Good morning, Skillman. It is so good to see each and every one of you today. I can see a lot of smiling, happy faces out there. The Cowboys must have won yesterday. It's good to be here in Dallas. I would also imagine uh, that you're smiling out there because we're starting our new sermon series uh, this week, four-week series called How to Be Sad. How joyful this series is going to be. Uh, <laughs> this is a, uh, it's an attempt to look at pain and suffering in life in a healthy way, how Scripture teaches us how to handle disappointment. And uh, we're going to be looking at four different books each week. We're going to be tackling one of the four books that talks about these issues. Uh, Today I'll be talking about Ecclesiastes. Next week we'll be talking about Job. Then the next two weeks Jake will be tackling Psalms and then ending with Lamentations. And as I was preparing for this sermon, I thought, who in the world thought it was a good idea to preach a sermon on Ecclesiastes? I mean... In, in this limited amount of time, 20, 25 minutes, to cover the entire book of Ecclesiastes, I just want to give a disclaimer, I am going to disappoint. <laughs> I am not going to live up to this because this is an incredible book, a, a part of uh, the Holy Scriptures, and I will do my best today. But if there's anything that could happen today that I hope is that this sermon might encourage you, might inspire you to go home to open your Bible to Ecclesiastes and read this book for yourself because these words will do way more to your heart than I can today. But I hope that I can just give a little bit of of spark that that will get your curiosity going so you can go home and read this book yourself. And that's also for the rest of the books on this series as we talk about how we can deal with disappointment and pain and sadness in a healthy way in the way that Jesus inspires us to do so. Before I begin uh, today, my plan in the book of Ecclesiastes, and if you would, feel free to turn there in your Bibles. It's about halfway in there, a couple pages to the left or right. Um, And uh, we'll be tackling, we'll be in this book throughout the sermon, uh, hitting several texts. The plan today, for those that are type A and need a plan, uh, the plan today is uh, to give three specific statements Three specific themes that are found in this incredible book, Ecclesiastes. Then after these three statements, we're going to talk a little bit about a Jewish word. And then after we talk about this Jewish word, I'm going to give you guys some good news to take you home on. But before we begin, I need a volunteer from the audience. Somebody who really likes to build sandcastles. Josh, thank you for volunteering. So kind of you. All right, hopefully this is not too distracting. But uh, Josh, your task as I begin is to build the best sandcastle you can build with this kinetic sand. Uh, I'll be speaking, and so just ignore him. (laughs) Uh, No, it's just your hands, man. (laughs) I didn't think about that. Sorry, I didn't think about the cup. Uh, But hey, when you feel that it's good and you feel like it's worthy, your, your castle, your house or whatever your cave, um, you can go ahead and sit back down, but your task right now is to do your best to build the best sandcastle you can while we begin. So, 
Ecclesiastes. Oh, here's the cup right there. <laughs> it's, a t- it's a good friend there. It's going to be better. So if you were to read this incredible book, tradition says that Ecclesiastes was written by King Solomon, one of the wisest men to ever walk the face of this earth. Of course, there's uh, different theories about who wrote this text, but the the text is clear that it's a teacher, a wise soul, who put these words on paper. And throughout today, uh, there's so much richness to this text, but I'd like to talk about three specific themes that are found in this text. The first is this. That in Ecclesiastes, the writer shares that life, the life that we live, is a cocktail of wins, of losses, of joys, and disappointments. That life is a cocktail of wins, of losses, joys, and disappointments. It's put so eloquently by the birds who wrote that song, Turn, 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 who borrowed from Ecclesiastes, There is a time for everything. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. And a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born. And a time to die. A time to plant. And a time to uproot. A time to kill. And a time to heal. A time to tear down. And a time to build. A time to weep. And a time to laugh. A time to mourn. And a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep, a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. In this particular text in Ecclesiastes... I feel that it's less a text that's prescribing what the future will be, but it's more describing how life is. It describes the reality of life, of what it means to be human, of what it means to walk and live and and to win and to lose, that this is the very essence of life. There are times where we win, and there are times where we lose. There's times where we feel great joy, and there's times where we feel great pain. I think a a lesson that that I've learned through these years is that life, this thing we have of life, it's not dualistic. The things, the emotions that we feel, it's not dualistic. It's not either hot or cold, but it's both at the same time. Like, uh, for example, in 2006, my wife's grandfather passed away. Um, Grandpa Mac was his name, and probably the closest grandparent of my wife. And it was a very sad, sad time when, when she lost her grandfather. But that very same year, not too long after, two weeks later, my son, Kellen, was born. And there was great joy. There was great happiness and great life because of his birth. But it happened at the same time. And I think if you were to describe the heart of how we felt, it was both sad at the loss of Grandpa Mac, but also happy at the birth of our son. There is this thing that life, 
is not dualistic. It's sometimes we're not just happy or sad, but Ecclesiastes teaches us that we living life as being human means embracing it all, that this is what it means to be human, that life can be being sad and happy at the same time. I mean, a great example of this is those that have lived in a different country and moved back to your home. We, we lived in Peru for eight years and learned to love living in South America. And moving back here, there's a lot of things that make us so happy. I'm happy to be around my parents. I'm happy to, to have my, my kids can see their cousins more often. I'm happy to have free refills at the restaurant. And I'm happy to flush toilet paper. You know, there are things that I'm happy about. But there are also things that are a deep sadness that I miss. I miss the relationships that we had. I miss speaking Spanish on a continual basis. I miss the adventure that we had going to the beach in the Andes Mountains on a whim. But that's the thing that life is a cocktail of emotions. That life is good and it's bad and it's complicated and it's all together. And Ecclesiastes teaches us that it's not dualistic, that we can be happy and that we can be sad and all the same time. And embracing that, embracing the complexity, the non-dualism of how life is, it's the, it's, the, it's the step forward of being truly free. So number one, that life is a cocktail of wins, losses, joys, and disappointment. Number two in Ecclesiastes, that a, a theme that keeps coming, is that happily ever after isn't a real destination. How many of you guys like those princess Disney movies? Oh yeah, I see a lot of hands <laughs> lands out there. I mean, it's a, these are classics, Snow White, Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, Rapunzel, amazing stories. But there are, there are those that think that Disney has also put a disservice to our view of reality. Because always at the end of these shows, at the end of, of these cartoons, it always, you see the, the prince and the princess riding into the sunset and saying they lived happily ever after. They lived happily ever after for the rest of their lives. There is this photographer. Her name is Dina Goldstein. And Dina Goldstein, uh, she was struggling with this cocktail of emotions because her mother was diagnosed with cancer. And she also had these two young daughters. And one day, she saw her daughter watching a Disney movie. And when she looked at her face, the daughter's face was in awe. The eyes were, were twinkling and saying, wow, this can be my life too. I will have a happily ever after. And so what Dina Goldstein did is that as a photographer, she used her art form to express what happened after the happily ever after to these princesses. And it's a series of, photogra- of, of photographs that she did. Uh, here is one uh, of Snow White. Not so happily ever after. Uh, Prince Charming doesn't look too pleased. Um, the next picture is of Cinderella, who finds herself in a tavern, uh, drowning her sorrows away. Uh, the next is Pocahontas uh, in a, living, a dark living room with a horde of animals all around. And uh, this last one is actually a pretty... Um, moving picture. Um, it's, it's Rapunzel who has her hair, uh, who's with cancer, is undergoing chemotherapy. 
um, and had lost the hair that defined who she was as a person. Ecclesiastes teaches us that happily ever after, it isn't a destination. It isn't a place that we can arrive to. In fact, in the first... That is very talented, Josh. Um, In the first chapter of Ecclesiastes, the teacher exclaims, Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. Then later in chapter 2, verse 1, the teacher says, I said to myself, come now. I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good, but that also proved to be meaningless. In verse 8, he continues, I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and a harem as well, the delights of a man's heart. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. And chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. This teacher had everything that we could ever imagine. All the paths that we are taught that will lead to happiness, this teacher had. Wealth, he was the richest of all. Sexuality, he had plenty. Anything that you can imagine, success, wealth, power, this individual had it all. And he said that it all was meaningless in the end. That it was a road that didn't have a destination. He never arrived at a place called happily ever after. Because that place doesn't exist. All along the path, he just kept walking and walking and thinking that more would come and more would come and make him happy. And nothing did. And at the end, he says, it's all meaningless. I mean, can you imagine if we were all cross-country runners and we're all lined up at the front of this race and the race official gets and has a meeting and says, all right, we're about to have a race and the winner is the one who arrives first. And so we say, well, where, what's the destination? Where are we running to? And the guy says, well, there is no destination. You just keep running and you keep running and you keep running and you keep running and you'll never arrive, but that's, that's part of the fun. How many of you would race? Brandon, you would do it. Wow, you're my hero, man. Most of us wouldn't race, wouldn't run a race where there is no finish because we would just be running and running. And in the same way, Ecclesiastes says that these things that we have been taught, that society teaches us will lead us to happily ever after, there isn't that destination. There isn't that. It's all meaningless when it's all said and done. Celebrities also teach us this, right? They have all of the riches and the wealth and the fame, but there's still an emptiness inside that needs to be filled. Three, in Ecclesiastes, in this brief survey of an incredible book, 
We are rather insignificant in the greater story of the universe. That a common theme in Ecclesiastes is that we, us, you, me, we are all insignificant in the greater story of the universe. In fact, right now, turn to the person next to you and tell them you're not that big a deal. You are not that big a deal. <laughs> hey, you're a smart man. <laughs> He's like, I'm not going to say it to my wife. <laughs> Ecclesiastes remind us, re- reminds us that we are not that big a deal. That we may think that we are cool. We may think that we have a corner on the market. But ultimately, we are a sliver in time. I mean, of all of humanity is a movie. We have a half a second scene in the movie. We are insignificant. We play a very small role in, in, in the midst of a greater story. In fact, uh, the, theme, the, the uh, imagery that's often referred to about this is this idea of sandcastles. How uh, we spend so much time building these sandcastles. And in fact, in your bulletin there is a poem that's written by Max Lucado. And you can read it after services or at home or at lunch. But it talks about this idea of two people building castles. And how many of you have been to the ocean and you build that sand castle and it's beautiful and it's immaculate and it's tall? And then the next morning you get to this sand castle and what happened to it? It's all destroyed. having too much fun with this, Josh. <laughs> this is what happens when you awake in the morning, is that the sandcastle that you toiled over, that you built, that you spent all time on, it has been washed away by the strength and the power of the ocean. And Ecclesiastes teaches us this, that we spend so much time building our castles, building our empire. But really... We are just two generations away from being completely forgotten. Two generations away are not going to know who you are, your name, what your favorite color was, what you like to do on your birthday. I mean, this is the reality that that Ecclesiastes says, that we put so much emphasis and power on our legacy, but ultimately we are just like a castle on the sand. And we are being washed away. We are a part of a greater, more magnificent story. And we play a small part in that story. You guys look a little sad after the castle (laughs) incident. So let me tell you the good news. Before the good news, let's talk about the Hebrew word. The word in Ecclesiastes that's used time and time again in the NIV is meaningless. Meaningless, meaningless, meaningless. It's the word that's it's used throughout the entire text. Other translations, it's vanity. There are other translations that, that use different words because this is a very difficult word in Hebrew to translate. It's a, it's a concept that's very complicated that the English language doesn't have the adequate vocabulary to communicate. The word in Hebrew is called havel. You guys say havel? Literally, havel means vapor. It means mist. This is Hawel. Right there. Do you see it? This is what 
is referred to in Ecclesiastes. It's the mist. It's there and then it's gone. Some translations say smoke. The idea is communicated that life is vapor. It's here and then it's gone. And I think that meaningless might be an inadequate translation for what it's communicating because really what it's saying is that life is mist. Life is vapor. That it's here and then before you know it, it's gone. I think if I were to translate this word instead of meaningless, I would translate it as fleeting, as precious. We just think about your children. When you have your last, you know it's your last kid, and you know that it's the last time that they're going to learn to walk. It's the last time that they're going to uh, you know, need, need uh, assistance going to sleep. It's the last time that they're going to learn to eat food without getting it all over their face. See, this, we know that these are precious moments. It's precious because we know that it's here, and then the next moment it'll be gone. In the same way, this is what life is. It's precious. It's fleeting. It's here and it's gone, and we are called to appreciate every single moment of this journey. So here's the good news to this. The good news, if we embrace the complexity of life, if we complex, if we embrace that life is a cocktail of emotions, that there's happiness and sadness and confusion all in the same, same bucket, if we embrace the fact that happily ever after is not a real destination, but it's the journey there that's the joy, if we embrace the fact that ultimately we are not that big a deal, that the pressure really isn't on us, that we are a part of a greater story and a God that is greater than us is doing something amazing. If we embrace all those things fully and if we embrace it with all of our heart, then we are free, truly free. In Ecclesiastes 5, the teacher says, when we embrace all this, what now? Now what? What do we do? If life is vapor, if life is meaningless, where do we go from here? And in 5 verse 18, the teacher says, This is what I have observed to be good. That is appropriate for a person to eat, to drink, and to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given them, for this is their lot. In Ecclesiastes 9, what now? What do we do? If we embrace all this, what's our next step? Here's what the teacher says. Go, eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart. For God has already approved what you do. Always be clothed in white and always anoint your head with oil. Enjoy life with your wife whom you love all these days all the days of this meaningless slash fleeting life that God has given you under the sun, all of your meaningless slash fleeting days, for this is your lot in life and in your toilsome labor under the sun. So what is our task now? Our task is to take a deep breath in. Calm, calm the soul. Enjoy this moment that you have. Go out to eat. And when you eat that food, let the food just soak your tongue. 
Enjoy the drink that you have. Enjoy the laughter with your friends. Invest yourself in your career, your, your vocation that brings you life and that contributes to the kingdom. Invest in that and do it with all of your heart. That is our task. Wow. It says in verse, chapter 12, to keep obeying God's commands. In Ecclesiastes 12, now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. We are to eat. We are to drink. We are to work hard. We are to obey the commandments of God. This is our task. This is what the the teacher in Ecclesiastes is teaching us. Do you believe that God is up to something in this world? Do you believe that God is in control, that he is orchestrating a greater story and that we are just part of this story that he is in charge of? When we become awake to this, when we become aware that life has its ups and its downs, when we embrace the complexity of life, when we realize that happiness is not some destination that we have to go to, but it's the journey along the way of each moment that we have. When we realize that life is vapor, when it's fleeting, it's here and it's not, that each moment is precious and that we play a role in God's great story, this is the good news, then we are free. We are truly free. And this is the gospel. We are free to embrace all of life, the struggles, the good and the bad. We're free to sink ourselves into our vocation, what God has called us to do. We're free to take time and enjoy that food that's been prepared for us, that we eat. We're free to have faith in what God is up to. Jesus showed us how to do this. Jesus is our example. He taught us that the greatest Two commandments are to love God and to love our neighbor. He taught us the meaning of taking and embracing pain upon ourselves and living it out, being a part of a better world. We at this church, we serve this Lord. And each Sunday we offer an invitation to become a disciple of Jesus. And as we sing here in a few minutes, if you want to be baptized in his name, you're invited and Come up here, we'll talk, and we can offer baptism for you. But here is the good news, that life is vapor. It's precious. This moment is here. May we take it, opportunity for every moment. May we enjoy lunch, and may we live out God's kingdom. Why don't you come while we stand and sing? <laughs>